Well, kia ora and welcome everyone once again to this online service to our church here in Kapiti. I just want to say Anita and I are missing you big time and we just can't wait to see you again in the flesh, hopefully not too far away. And to all of our New Life family all over New Zealand, hope you're weathering the lockdown well. Of course, we're in week four now, I, uh, I think, and I know for some it has been a challenge, but I pray today's message will bless, encourage, and equip you. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we just pray today that all those listening would be blessed, encouraged, strengthened by the message today. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. God, if you're so good, why is there bad? God, if you're so good, why is there bad? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Why on earth are we going through all this COVID lockdown craziness at the moment? Some are saying, God, I've lost my job and that may mean I may lose my house. Many around the world, of course, have even lost their lives. The economic forecasters are prophesying doom and gloom. The economic outlook is saying the economic outlook is possibly going to be worse than that of the Great Depression. I'm stuck in my bubble with people who are giving me trouble. God, everything in my nice little world has changed in the matter of a few weeks. Why? Why, God? And I think that's a normal question to ask for any believer. The why, God? question. Why the pain? Why the suffering? Why the bad? But of course, we're really saying or inferring that, that God, if you really loved us, if you really <laughs> loved me, surely you would have stopped all this. Surely you would have stopped all this problem, all this, all this craziness. Because you're good, right? You're, you're God and you're, you're good. And if you're good, how could you allow bad? And of course, that's a question atheists and theists debate on hundreds of YouTube uh, videos all over the internet. But I thought I would take the next couple of Sundays to unpack this a little, and I hope it helps you. Because I know these are real questions people are asking, real questions maybe even you are asking. And that's because the idea of bad, pain, and suffering, and evil do seem to be incompatible with the idea of a good or powerful God. In my Good Friday message, I said, the question, God, if you're good, why is there bad, is a problem. But I explained in that message that it's not a Bible problem. It's not a Bible problem. It is a philosophical problem for sure. But it's not a Bible problem. The Bible teaches plainly that God is good and that there is pain, suffering, and bad in the world. Truth is, the Bible never hides any of it. The Bible never hides bad. In fact, it speaks openly and frankly about it. It's an inescapable part of our human experience. If you don't believe me, just read the book of Job. But the fact that bad exists is... A philosophical problem and the philosophical problem simply is this how could a good God allow bad 
The argument goes this way. Either God is all-powerful but not all good and therefore allows bad, pain, suffering and evil and does not stop it. Or God is good but unable to stop bad, which means he is not all-powerful, therefore not God. So the question being, basically, if God is good, why doesn't he stop bad? That is a fear question. Especially in the light of what our nation and our world is walking through at the moment. But I think it's also important to ask, why do we feel this so strongly now? Why is this question, God, if you're good, why is there bad, suddenly so important for so many now? And the answer is simply this. Bad pain, suffering is touching us. It's come close. It's come near. It's touching our lives. It's affecting us. And when that happens, when bad pain, suffering comes close, when it touches us, we begin to experience it differently. Bad, evil, pain, suffering becomes not merely an intellectual problem to debate, but rather an emotional problem that I experience, that we experience. And it's so important that we understand the big difference between the intellectual and philosophical problem of bad, pain, suffering, and evil, and the emotional problem, struggle of bad, pain, suffering, and evil. Because the truth be told, that's the area, the emotional side, that's the area most people are struggling with at the moment. Your job's on the line, your future's uncertain. You don't know how you're going to be able to pay next month's bills. It's not an intellectual philosophical battle that you're having. It is rather an emotional struggle with the bad, the pain, the suffering that you are walking through at the moment. See, when bad comes close, when it, when it touches us, when, when pain comes close, it hurts. Why? Because it's suddenly become personal. That's why when bad stuff happens to us personally over the course of our lives, people can suddenly and quickly lose hope. Proverbs tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When a trial comes or trouble or tragedy strikes us, we ask in the emotion of that moment, we, we ask that question, where is God in this? Why, God, did you take my, my mum through that sickness? Why, God, did my friend die of cancer? Why, God, did I lose my job? Why, God? How could this happen to me? How could you let this happen to me? I, I, I thought, God, you, you loved me. It's not it's not fear, God. How, how could you, a good God, allow this to happen? See, now pain has touched us. Now that it's near, it feels so different, so real, so, so raw. 
because it is. It is real. It is raw. When we lose our livelihood, it hurts. When we lose people we love and are close to, the, the pain hurts like nothing else. When you get that call that your boy's been involved in a car accident, I mean, there's nothing like that. Or your auntie has had a serious heart attack, which is what happened to us this week. We were finishing a meal on Easter Sunday, all of us, all 12 of us in our bubble, when I got a message to say that my auntie in Palmerston North had had a heart attack and was eventually flown to Wellington Hospital, you can be assured that the atmosphere in the room changed because pain had come close. Suffering had come close. And when stuff like that happens, our emotions come into play because it is touching us. It is touching someone we love, someone we know. And that's hard. And it makes the question of God, you're good, why is there bad, so much more real because it's touched us. Yet, and hear me out, and please know when I, when I say this, I'm not meaning to be insensitive to people who are struggling at the moment. I'm trying to teach and help us understand. But know this, the truth is, even though we do or are going through stuff like I've just described at the moment, nothing has really changed to make the problem of bad or evil pain or suffering more complicated or more difficult to understand intellectually. Think about it. Before lockdown, if we're honest, we've all listened to the news and have heard stories of innocent people who have died and airplane crashes or in car accidents or in some terror attack in some distant city in Iraq. And upon hearing it, we've gone, well, that's kind of sad. And then just flicked on to the next channel without giving it a second, second thought. It didn't keep you or me awake at night. But hey, you losing your job, that'll keep you awake. The truth is, though, that people lose their jobs all the time. Before lockdown, people were losing their jobs every day all over the world. People lose their houses every day all over the world through some uh, 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 trial or problem that they have. People have heart attacks and die every day. Yet as tragic as that is, when all of that happened, it did not cause you to question your faith. See, bad is going on every day all over the world. And before lockdown, you didn't think about that. I mean, so much stuff is happening. Do you know persecution of Christians worldwide has reached almost genocidal proportions? According to Open Doors, 245 million Christians will, will have suffered for their faith in 2019. One out of every nine Christians worldwide will experience high levels of persecution. Thousands every year lose their life just because they're Christians. Bad stuff 
is happening everywhere. 21,000 people die every day of hunger. Every single day. Again, chances are you haven't given it a second thought. I've, uh, maybe you've even seen the memes uh, over the last few weeks that have been put up that have compared COVID-19 with things like malaria and, and deaths through cancer and cardio, cardiovascular disease and all those type of things. And we, go, we, we look at those and we're like, wow, that's, that's interesting before we swipe up and carry on with our next Instagram post. We don't feel it. Not because we're bad, not because we're uncaring. It's simply because we're not emotionally connected to it. All of these deaths, 21,000 people dying every day, it didn't cause you to question your faith or doubt God. And that is because for the most part, we remain relatively untouched by them. The difference, you see, when we lose someone we love is that suffering and pain has now become intensely personal. There is a now emo emotional component to these losses that was not present in the deaths of all those other people. Some people, of course, may be motivated to, when they see or hear that, about 21,000 people die every day of hunger. Some may be motivated to sponsor a child, but that's not because you've intellectually thought about it. It's because you have become emotionally moved by that situation. It suddenly, it's come close. We use the term, it touched my heart. You see, that's what's making a difference with what we are walking through as a nation and as a world at the moment. With lockdown, with job losses, with company closures, with the pending economic downturn, we as a nation are more than ever emotionally connected to this event, which is what makes it feel so different to something we may watch on the news to which we have little or no connection with. And you see, this emotional connection is what many times overwhelms people as they try to make sense of the trial that they're walking through. And so it's very important for us today to recognize and understand the difference between the intellectual and the emotional problem of bad pain, suffering, and evil. It's important because they should be handled very differently. See, to deal with the emotional problem of pain and suffering, you don't need a philosopher. You don't need a theologian. You don't need some fancy intellectual argument to help you deal with the emotional problem of pain and suffering. Now, you need a person who can empathize with you, not theorize with you. See, when people are going through personal pain, loss, trouble, heartache, People really don't care how much you know, how much theology, they, 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 how, how much philosophy, theology, whatever. They, they don't care how much you know. Uh, they just want to know how much you care. See, the intellectual 
and emotional problem of bad pain, evil and suffering are really two distinctly different things and they must be handled as such. The truth is, we can't escape the fact today that bad stuff sometimes happens to good people. Bad stuff sometimes happens to good people and it touches us and it comes close. Jesus tells us in a roundabout way in Matthew 5 verse 45 and I'm not quoting the verse word for word but he's basically saying this. He says, the same rain that falls on the wicked also falls on the righteous. In other words, for us as Christians, there is no special exception for us from trials or trouble. In fact, in Job 5 verse 7, it says, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. After all, uh, if anyone would know that, Job would. The more important thing is what's your response when bad comes close? What's your response when suffering and evil knock at your door? When trial, trouble, or tragedy touches you, what is your response? The year was 1987. It was 4 a.m. when a man brandishing a machete with murder on his mind knocked on the door of Pastor Peter and Anne Morrow's house. They were the leaders of new life. In a few minutes that followed, their life changed forever. Let's listen to Anne as she shares her journey through the valley of the shadow of death. When trouble touched their lives, how did they deal with the disappointment and the pain? In 1987, we had an intruder come into our house and I was away at the time doing conferences and Peter was home with the three boys and he knocked on our door at four o'clock in the morning and his intention was to murder my husband. And what happened as a result of that, they called me when I was in Perth, which is where I was, and I did not know when I was traveling home whether he had been dead or alive. But I know when I got on that plane, I'd just been in revival meetings where the presence and the power of God was amazing. And in those kind of situations, everything within you will worship and praise and magnify the Lord. And then four or five hours later, you, you hit a situation like that. And I remember flying back on the plane and I was sure standing up on the inside and I declared to the enemy and I declared to my God, whatever I am flying home to, I want you to know I will always worship you. I will always praise you. I will always thank you and declare that you are totally sovereign and you are totally good. So he who came at four o'clock in the morning and my two sons, one of them answered the door and, and came and got Peter. And we were in a Bible college setting and we were also in a place where it was not unusual for people to bang on our door, whatever. But while John went to get his dad, the attacker brandished a machete and put on a barraclava. So the moment Peter came to the door, he began to slash him. And, um, and the boys, if the boys had not been home, he, Peter would have died, even though they were slashed 
and he ended up in hospital too, they were able to preserve and save their dad's life. And in the headlines in the press the next day, it said, triple murder averted. The attack was defining in our ministry. And I remember as we went into the journey of Alzheimer's, we were very much in our minds, what does is, what is our future hold? And of course, it left you with questions. How could God, a loving God, allow this to happen to us? And sometimes there's no answer to some of those questions, except that there was a huge disappointment in a sense of several areas. First of all, the disappointment of it was a total change of our, the perception of our future, what that was going to be. And also, uh, we were believing for a healing. And so there was the journey of faith, along with a parallel journey of the practicalities of what we were walking through. Peter was wondering, hey, what's going to happen to us? And we were in a Rodney Howard meeting because we were believing for healing. And both Peter and I were on the, we had fallen on the ground and it's like we were in a shadowy grave. And right in the, in the darkness in the back, I saw this light and gradually as it came closer, I realized it was the Lord. It was absolutely shimmering. It, I felt it was like Jesus was transfigured. And as he came, almost floated towards us, Peter and I rose together out of that grave and went to meet him. And I felt like the Lord was going to embrace us and, and just affirm us in his love, regardless of the situation we were in. But what he did, he reached out his arms when he got right close to us, and he did embrace us. But he took us, he, in his embrace, he took us into himself. And when I looked at the vision again, I didn't see Peter and myself, I saw only Christ, that our lives were hidden with Christ and God. And then the Lord said, Anne, this is your future. Your lives, whatever happens, are hid with Christ and God. And that was an amazing experience for the next part of the journey. So in the midst of that kind of scenario, you think, oh, only one touch from you, and this could have been so different. So you have to handle that kind of disappointment when you don't get the breakthrough of the healing. And there's times when you wrestle in prayer, um, when you fight because you believe it was a, a demonic thing, you wrestle against the fact, but God, you are more powerful than the enemy. And then you have to come to a place where over all of those situations, I still declare, I will worship you. You are my God, and I trust you for whatever lies ahead. Wow. I pray in these extraordinary days that we, like Anne, can say, Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, with all the stuff that's happening, no matter what we go through, I will worship you. I will trust you. You know, Psalm 20 verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. People are trusting or have been trusting in all types of things. But will we today say we will trust in the name of the Lord our God? Will you say with me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.
in the midst of all that we are walking through as a nation and in the world. We will trust you. Amen. Of course, we are still left with the question, if God is good, why is there bad? Augustine, who was one of Christianity's great theologians and philosophers, he, like many others, wrestled with that question. And he stated the problem like this. God created all things. Evil is a thing. Therefore, in conclusion, God created evil. And if God is good, how or why would he do that? To find out, you'll have to tune in next week for If God is Good, Why Is There Bad? Part 2. But before we go, I want to just give people an opportunity to get right with God. Maybe you've tuned into this for the first time and you're going, even now, even as I'm speaking, you're going, you know you need to get right with God. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that will invite you to, to receive Christ today. Do you need to get right with Him? I know some might be there and they're saying, but pastor, you don't know how bad I am. Here's the good news of the gospel. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good He is. It's not about what you have done. It's about what He has done on the cross of Calvary. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the message, God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. You can be put right with God today. How do you do that? Well, you turn away from your sin and turn towards God. Would you give your life to Him? Would you surrender your life to Him today? Would you begin that journey? The Bible says that He knocks on the door of our heart. If we would open that door, He will come in. Let Him be the master of your life. So if that's you and you know you need to get right with God today, why not repeat this prayer after me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I turn away from my sins. I repent and I turn my life towards you. Be my Savior and my Master and my Lord from this day forth. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me finish by pronouncing a blessing over you and your family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.